You're listening to Renewing Religion, a podcast about worship, social duties, and spirituality featuring an overview of Imam al-Ghazali's Ihya. This podcast is brought to you by Seekers Hub. This Ramadan, our goal is to raise $75,000 in monthly donations to build a global Islamic seminary so that dedicated students all over the world can complete their journeys and become Islamic scholars. You can help them by becoming a monthly donor at seekershub.org slash donate. الذي لم يلد ولم يولد ولم يكن له كفوا أحد والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه ومن والاه اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله صلاة تنجينا بها من جميع الأهوال والآفات وتزكينا بها من جميع الأهواء والشهوات وتطهرنا بها من جميع السيئات وتقضي لنا بها جميع الحاجات وترفعنا بها أعلى الدرجات وتبلغنا بها أقصى الغايات من جميع الخيرات في الحياة وبعد الممات السلام عليكم ورحمة الله كيف حالكم؟ الحمد لله So today we're looking at the chapter of the halal and the haram the permissible and the impermissible and uh, to begin, it's actually a fairly lengthy chapter. And in essence, Imam Ghazali breaks it up into a number of subsections. So the first one is about the virtue of the halal and the censure of the haram and the different levels of halal and haram. Then the Imam looks at the different levels of the doubtful or the shubuhat and how to judge and evaluate between them. Then he looks at uh, the importance or necessity uh, or recommendation of asking and inquiring about something that's gifted or presented to you. Then he looks at the one who has done toba because he has appropriated wealth that is not permissible. How does he do that toba? And how does he return that to the rightful owners if they're known or not known? And then lastly, he looks at the interaction between an individual and power or the sultan or those in authority. So those would be the five general subchapters. And we're not going to be able to, unfortunately, as uh, we've been doing, look at all of them or even most of them. But I'd like to focus, bi'ithnillah, on the first subchapter, which is the virtue of the halal and the censure of the haram and the gradations between them. So, in terms of halal and haram, we looked last night at some verses from the Qur'an in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala connects the pursuit of halal and our spiritual quest, and the quest of our hearts in nearness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because the question can be asked, well, what is the connection between the halal and the haram, and between our spiritual quest? And we looked at a number of verses, all of them very beautiful, and very illustrative 
of this organic connection between the halal and haram and between our spiritual quest because as Imam Ghazali has taught us previously my life is a journey I was born to die and to journey back home and home is Jannah and the Jannah of Jannah is the audience and the vision of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and my, uh, my being with him subhanahu wa ta'ala in Jannah so that is my spiritual journey and how does the halal and haram meaning how does law fit into that journey so one of the ayat we looked at last night was when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks to the most elect of his creation the prophets and messengers and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says ya ayyuhar rusul kulu tayyibat wa'amalu saliha O messengers eat and partake of the good that which is wholesome that which is permitted and do good and there's a connection therefore between between eating or the permissible and the halal and the wholesome and between doing good and salih as we said is not simply something that's good but something which is appropriate for the context because good in one context is not necessarily good in another context that depends on knowledge and it depends on on different factors and then we looked at another beautiful ayat towards the end of the Quran in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says no nay a stain a, a, a rust has covered their hearts because of what they earned, because of what they did. Certainly on that day, they will be veiled from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. A very powerful connection between doing and earning and acquiring and between the effect it has on our, on our hearts. Because the ayah is very, very clear and explicit about that. That when I partake of that which is impermissible, my heart gets stained, gets affected, gets sullied, gets dirtied to the extent that at one point, if that dominates over me, I become veiled and distant from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is very much in accord again with what we've been learning, which is that the heart is the seat of number one, perception of right and wrong, good and bad, ethical and and unethical number two of feeling and emotion that is that my emotional relationship with Allah Azzawajal, the locus of that is my qalb and if my qalb my heart is healthy I will experience the unicity and tawheed of Allah Azzawajal inside and number three irada will desire resolve if my heart is healthy I will desire that which is good and I will uh, desire not to undertake or do that which is bad so those ayat very beautifully illustrate the relationship between halal and haram and between the spiritual dimension of our deen my heart your heart our hearts in their journey to Allah and then also a very beautiful hadith and very profound hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam in which he says, uh, Al-halal bayin wal-haram bayin. 
right? The lawful is, is clear and distinct, and the impermissible is also clear and distinct. And in between them are doubtful matters that most people do not know about. Most people are not able to discern. It's like we have two poles, the clearly permissible, the clearly impermissible, and that's the spectrum. And in between now we have gray gradations, some closer to the haram, some closer to the halal. And to differentiate where they are is difficult. It's very difficult. And so he says, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, that most people don't know about these mushabbahat or those shubuhat, these doubtful gray matters. But then he says that the one who, فَمَنِ الْمُشَبَّهَاتِ Whoever avoids those, and the verb uses ittaqa, yattaqi, the same root as taqwa. Whoever shields himself or herself and defends himself from pursuit and indulgence in those gray, doubtful matters, istabra'a. They are innocent. That's actually a beautiful word. Uh, they are innocent and they are free. Actually, it's very beautiful. They're free. They're innocent in their deen and in their, in their honor. And whoever falls into those shubuhat, those doubtful matters, kara'in yara'a hawl al-hima, is like a shepherd that pastures his flock, his herd, close to the sanctuary of a king. Yushiku ayyuwaqi'ahu. And because, because we're, we're playing chance here, you know, I have my flock of sheep, and I'm grazing them precariously close to a sanctuary that's not mine. So at one point, if I keep doing that, what's going to happen? One of them is going to eat from the sanctuary. And it's only, it's only really a matter of time. It's actually improbable that it won't happen. If I do it a lot, and if I get really close, it's only a matter of time. And then he says, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, very beautifully and powerfully, Ala wa inna likulli malikin hima. Indeed, every king and sovereign has their own sanctuary, their own private property. Wa inna himallahi fi ardihi maharimuhu. And certainly the sanctuary of Allah. And then he says, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, fi ardihi. The sanctuary of Allah in his earth, because he owns it, and everything in it, and everything above it, and below it, and between it. So the sanctuary of Allah in his earth is his prohibitions. Meaning that, that's where we should not graze, for sure, nor come close to. And then he says beautifully at the end, this prophetic wahi logic that Everything in his words, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, is connected like pearls on a necklace, without doubt. And some, some of the ulama have looked at, 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 at the text of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and from th those texts, and the beauty and the logic of the text, concluded that that is haq, and that he was haq, and that wahi is haq. Uh, and then he says so beautifully to round out the discussion, which started as a legal discussion. 
And then a most beautiful metaphor of the hima of the king and grazing and, and allowing the flock of your desires, right, to graze close to Allah Ta'ala's haram without holding them back. And then finally he says that, Allah, Certainly in the, in the human constitution body, there is an entity or a morsel. If that is sound and healthy and good, the entire body is healthy and good. And if that is corrupted, the entire body is corrupt. Uh, certainly that is the spiritual heart. And by this, he connects sallallahu alayhi wasallam beautifully between halal and haram and between the, the spiritual heart. And the effect runs both ways, right? That is that when I consume that which is good, it cleanses me and keeps my spiritual heart healthy so that I may see right, see wrong, feel right, feel wrong, desire right, desire not to do wrong. And when I have, and when I partake of the haram, the opposite happens. My heart is corrupted. My sense, my my reasoning, my understanding of moral and immoral, all are affected. But also, it's like a feedback loop. It works the other way. When my heart is healthy, I'm able to have strength to do the right, to partake of the right, and to stay away from the wrong. So they reinforce one another, but the core of all of that, of course, is the spiritual heart. The fourth point, Imam Ghazali, when he discusses now halal and haram, not all halal is the same. There's halal at different levels, some better than others, some more tayyib than others. Not all haram is the same, some are worse than others. One of my teachers, Hafizahullah, he used to say, you know, sometimes in certain occasions, there's a smart halal and a stupid halal. Right? There's a smart halal, meaning that in this, in, in this instance, looking at all of the factors, yes, it's halal, but it's not an intelligent halal to do now. It's not intelligent. So there's a smart halal, he would say, he had his own way of expression that was very, very captivating. Smart halal and stupid halal, right? So there are different gradations of halal and haram. There are also different gradations of doubtful. Of doubtful and I think something practical for me and you well for me because I'm in need of it and perhaps you reminders are beneficial for all of us is that as Muslims the text teaches us to beware of the doubtful matters Rasulullah sallallahu is not simply being descriptive here in saying that if you get too close to the sanctuary you're gonna fall in it he's being prescriptive Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is telling us don't do that. That is that if we care about the istibra of our deen, the innocence of our deen, we must be people who try to be scrupulous to the extent that we can and avoid that which is doubtful, avoid that which is dubious. And avoiding that which is dubious is from the ethic of taqwa. Because taqwa has levels. So for example, 
you know, uh, if I'm a muttaqi, uh, I can't feel in any way that I'm fine because taqwa has levels. The nearness of Allah Ta'ala has levels. Allah is infinite and nearness to Him, therefore, is an infinite quest. I can never be near enough to Him. Never. I can never stop. I can never feel complacent. And taqwa has levels of taqwa. And those levels of taqwa are based on my scrupulousness or my wara. Are you with me? Yes? No? Yes. So those levels of taqwa are based on my scrupulousness. So for example, at one level, you know, the doubtful actually is actually haram, so I have to leave that. But at another level, the doubtful is makruh. So I don't have to leave that unless I want a higher level. At another level, there could be extras. I don't have to leave the extras. But if I do, it's better for me. And it brings me nearer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Just like fasting. We have to fast from the haram, one level. Another level, fasting from haram and makruh. Another level, fasting from haram, makruh, and extras. Those are all deeper realities of fasting. The very basic fasting is must fast from haram. Must not fast, must not allow my eyes, my tongue, my ears, my sexual organs, my stomach to indulge in anything that Allah doesn't love because I have to fast at that level. That's a must, that's a wajib. Are you with me? I can't simply stay away from food and drink. That's kindergarten fasting. If I fast like that, I can say, yes, I fasted like a kindergartner. Yeah. But did I fast at a deeper level with my eyes, my tongue, my ears, my hands, my feet? Uh, did I fast like that? And that fasting, I remind myself, is wajib. I won't experience Eid in the true sense of the word, with my heart in Eid, with Allah, unless I fast like that. I won't experience Eid in my heart with Allah, which is the essence of Eid, more of Allah in me. Joy, happiness, bliss, contentment, freedom, enrichment, that's the essence of the gift of Eid. But to do that, I have to fast in this way as well. And there are deeper levels of fasting, and then, Rahimahullah, Imam Ghazali says, and those levels of scrupulousness, or another word for that, warah, meaning to stay away from the doubtful matters, that will determine, he says, to all of us, because we're, we're children compared to him. And you know, when he writes this, he's, he's writing as a father. You know, a man, a faqih, an usuli. You know, a man, uh, you know, a man of the law and a man of the heart, a scholar saint, which is the ultimate in scholarship, not a scholar, and not only a saint, a scholar saint. And so when he speaks to us, he speaks to us with the authority of, 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 of a spiritual father. And he says, and depending, and then he says, you know, depending on your levels of scrupulousness will be your levels in Jannah. So you make the choice. Either you want to adhere to that or you don't. Just like 
our levels of perdition in punishment depends on the level of haram that we engaged in. Some are worse than others. But the levels of nearness depends on our levels of scrupulousness. And the highest in Jannah are the highest in their scrupulousness to the extent that he tells us that many of the awliya of Allah Azza wa Jal, their hearts fasted from everything but him. Meaning, they only had him in their heart. Rahimahumullah. They only had him, all thoughts directed to him, all will because of him. They reached that level of wara' scrupulousness, that everything in their hearts was only by Allah and for Allah, nothing by themselves or by itself and for itself. So practically, scrupulousness is a good thing. Though we live in a time, of course, of increased liberality and liberalness. Oh, five minutes. You know, increased liberal understanding in that, well, don't make it hard on you. You know, don't make it hard on yourself. That's true. But if I don't challenge myself, how will I grow? If I don't challenge myself, how will I learn? If I don't challenge myself, how will I strive for the higher levels of Jannah? How, how will I do that? If I'm simply happy and complacent with the basics. And in this time, as we know, we live in a time where there is a complete about face and uh, a complete you know, uh, upside down of values, even amongst Muslims. Basic halal, things and values that are beyond doubt, that are definitive and categorical, things that are haram categorically are now, because of the times that we live in, seen to be okay and rationalizable, they may not be that bad. We're living in that time. Basic moral values, basic halal and basic haram, basic haram becomes permissible. And basic halal becomes, well, more permissible, maybe. But basic haram becomes permissible. And you know what I mean in terms of values in society. We don't have to express that because of the pressures from the outside in different ways that suffocate my heart. And the point being here in, clo in, in closing is that when I find difficulty in doing that which is halal and staying away from haram, right, naturally, sometimes, you know, I could have built up addictions to the haram by constant practice and indulgence. So it becomes very difficult. When our father Adam ate from the tree, alayhi salatu wasalam, what happened the moment he, he indulged in the impermissible? What happened? Badat. So atuhuma, their, their, their privates, you know, their private parts uh, suddenly became apparent to them. In some way before they were living in Jannah, they weren't aware of that or perhaps didn't know that in some way. That's why the verb bada is used. It, it became apparent to them after they sinned. So their awrah became apparent. And awrah in Arabic has to do with also a deficiency and a weakness. So when we indulge in the impermissible, we build up a weakness in ourselves. It's like, you know, the, the, uh, you know, the castle's uh, fortified wall. Once there's a hole in it, 
unless that hole is remedied sufficiently, that's a weak spot. And the enemy can, can take you from that spot. And even if you fortify it, but it's not strong enough, it's still a weak spot. So when we indulge in that which is haram, it becomes a weak point in us. It becomes a deficiency and a weak point through which our hearts can be affected. But the strength to do the halal and to stay away from the haram, again, is not an intellectual exercise. It's an exercise of what? It depends on the strength of what? It de on, on, depends on the strength and, and, and health of my qalb. Because that's the connection. If my qalb is, is str strong and healthy and purified and connected to Allah Azza wa Jal, it can see properly, it can feel properly, it can do properly. So the way to remedy my weaknesses in obedience is not intellectual. That has a part and a place indeed. It is to remedy the spiritual breach in me. Are you with me? And that's why Imam Ghazali, rahimullah, in the first chapter, in the first quarter, he does ibadat. And then at the end, remember what we covered, he does? Dhikr and dua. Dhikr and dua. And then to be constant in your dhikr with your awrad. Because those are the greatest ways to purify my heart, to cleanse my heart, to clean my heart, to strengthen my heart. Dhikr, a lot of dhikr. And by a lot, Ya'alamullah, we are taught by our teachers, a lot is a lot. A lot is a lot. A lot is what? The majority of my day in remembrance of Allah with my heart ideally. The majority of my time. 12 hours in the day, at least 7. And even then, I'm precarious. Because the pool is here and the pool is there. Six hours, seven hours, and dunya is very strong. My nafs is very strong. With seven hours, I may not be able to turn the tide. And therefore, the importance of dhikr is very important. Time's up. Um, and then in closing, one minute. That's why Imam Ghazali, rahimullah, he suggests and he exhorts us a lot of dhikr, a lot of dua to strengthen my qalb. And that's why the last half of the book, fully half of the ihya, has to do with the purification of the heart, purifying it from qualities which are destructive and engendering in it qualities which are salvatory or salvific. You, you, you know, you can imagine that fully half of the Ihya is devoted to my heart and strengthening my heart and cleansing my heart and purifying my heart. And those chapters uh, taught by uh, Shaykhuna, probably Shaykh Faraz, are very important. And he leaves that to the end, so we realize that that is, you know, khitamuhu misk, that is the most important part of my journey to Allah Azza wa Jal, the strengthening of my heart through law, through halal, staying away from haram, a lot of dhikr of Allah to aid me in those. The greatest mujahada that I can do for myself, a lot of dhikr and a lot of supplication and dua for Allah Ta'ala is able to do all things. We end on that. May Allah Ta'ala allow us to listen and follow the best of what we hear. May Allah Ta'ala grant us the strength to always do what He loves and grant us the strength and inner strength to stay away from that which He does not love. Uh, Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala is able to do all things 
and this is a beautiful month to call on him and to seek his assistance and his aid in everything that I find an obstacle and a weakness and a deficiency in myself. Thank you for listening to this Seekers Hub podcast. To listen to the rest of our shows, please visit seekershub.fm. You can also subscribe to our weekly email newsletter called Compass, where we'll send the best of Seekers Hub's content straight to your inbox every single week. To get on the list, visit seekershub.org slash compass.